What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another fantastic episode of Fraternity. I'm your little brother, Danny, and I'm here with my big brother, Sean. What's going on, everybody? Last week, we brought you some quote-unquote elevated horror where we covered Hereditary, and we loved that. But this week, you know, we're dialing it back a little bit. We're going a little goofy, going a little funny, going a little kooky with a really fun movie titled Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yeah, we hope you all enjoyed Hereditary. And that was some heavy stuff. So this Friday, we know the holiday traffic is heavy. We know the meal you ate yesterday and probably ate too much of. We know that was heavy, too. And that guy who's going to kick your ass today for that last flat screen TV at Best Buy, he's probably got the weight on you as well. So we are keeping it light here with Tucker and Dale versus Evil for sure. And Danny, it's our 50th episode. And it's just business as usual. How about that? Yeah, 50 episodes. It's hard to believe looking at that number that we've done it. I mean, 50 hours, Sean, of us are recorded, of us just talking about horror. Not only that, but uh, that's 50 movies we've watched <laughs> just for this. Yeah. I mean, I know personally, that's more movies I've than I've ever watched in like a period of a year. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, man, you know, it's a cool milestone. I'm looking forward to 100. But 50 is special because I remember when we first started out and we would talk about the show, we would always say, just think about where we're going to be at on it by episode 50. And it was like, back in episode one, we sucked. And now here we are on episode 50 and we still suck. <laughs> <laughs> but suck a but little we suck less. a little less oh yes indeed at least i like to think so <laughs> no i mean i'll be the first to tell you don't listen to our first 20 episodes <laughs> <laughs> that that number keeps growing <laughs> i'm like don't listen to our first 30 yeah by 100 we'll tell you not to listen to this <laughs> yeah at a certain point. All righty, man. So Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Damn, that's a long title. <laughs> <laughs> when I first encountered Tucker and Dale versus Evil on the store shelves, it was one of those movies where the concept looked a little iffy. I'm sure most of us that go out and buy physical media, especially back in the day, have more than a couple memories of movies that you would pick up but always seem to put back down. And I'm sure most of us have a movie or two like that that we ended up really and truly loving when we finally gave it a chance. I never did buy Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, but it was receiving a lot of praise at the time from digital horror sources that I trusted. It was also released by Magnet Releasing, which is the genre arm of Magnolia Pictures. And in the early teens, they were releasing some real solid hitters. Movies like 13 Assassins, Hobo with a Shotgun, and The Last Circus were some of my most immediate favorites of the decade. So I was definitely inclined to give Tucker and Dale vs. Evil a chance. And I eventually did when finding it on Netflix or Prime or one of the streaming services. So I did check it out. And I absolutely loved this movie. And now I can't wait to share it with you, Danny. But that's the extent of my story time. So I thought this would be a great opportunity to discuss horror comedy. So what are your thoughts, Danny, <laughs> in a general sense? Well, it's a bit of a broad question, but... I mean, I think horror and comedy, it's like a chocolate peanut butter situation. They just work well together when they knock it out. You know, I think some movies can try really hard to be funny and they're just not. <laughs> it's a delicate line. Yeah, you really said it there because it's a tricky balance, right? And I think that balance can go one of two ways. You have horror comedy 
which emphasizes the horror. Like, for all intents and purposes, this is a horror movie, but it's funny. And then you have comedy horror, which is a comedy film through and through, but it's playing around with horror tropes. And you can mess up both of these, but Tucker and Dale vs. Evil is the latter. And for the most part, I think they really get the balance right in this movie. Not only do they get the balance right, but they wind up delivering some pretty damn unique things on the horror side. And in doing so, it really stands apart. I mean, how often do we get a psychopathic, disfigured Chad as our slasher villain? (laughs) Yeah, that's a pretty damn unique character. And they just knock it out with the character of Chad and characterizing him (laughs) oh yeah and in true chad fashion danny he manages to kill literally no one on his supposed killing spree (laughs) up until he kills a news reporter and a cameraman trying to get the scoop on the events of this movie in this nice little flash forward found footage cold open that we get here and with that danny we're into our movie But before we get any further, why don't you tell our great listeners where they can find us? So to no one's surprise, Twitter is still up and that's still the number one place you can go to keep up to date with everything that Fraternity is doing. Go over to Twitter. Our handle is at Fraternity. Follow us, DM us, like our tweets, retweet us, do everything you can on Twitter. Interact with us. We'd love to interact with you. And if you have any questions, comments, anything at all, maybe you don't have a Twitter, we have an email, fraternity at gmail.com. That's fraternity at gmail.com. Shoot us questions. Just shoot the shit with us. Anything you want. We'd love to talk with our fans. And if you like the show, give us a rating on the podcast platform of choice that you listen to your boys on and give us five stars or the equivalent because we want to grow into the number one horror podcast on the internet so dude blood splattered title card for the win am i right (laughs) yeah you gotta love it (laughs) the classic (laughs) so the story starts three days before our little cold open and our not yet quite so evil but still clearly deranged chad sets out on a camping trip with his friends And besides Chad and our main girl, Allison, the other people in this group aren't so much horror movie stereotypes as they are just plain stupid college kids. Yeah, they're very stupid. This van they're driving is almost like a clown car full of college (laughs) kids. It's like, I love how they keep appearing. Like, how many fucking college kids are in this hobbit hole of a van? (laughs) It is quite a bloated group, right? But. You know what that yeah, means. Yeah, but they're, they're basically fodder, you know, for the quote-unquote killings that happen in this film. Oh, yeah. It's going to deliver a high body count. And I will say, I think all of these actors do a really good job. But these characters are the epitome of disposable teens. And that's exactly how I intend to treat them while we talk about them. Yeah, but they fit that role so well, you know, like... They're just so stupid, but they're fun to watch. You know, they never feel tacked on. Like, they have a purpose, and their purpose is to die and be dumb. (laughs) (laughs) We do get this fantastic first reveal of Tucker and Dale here when, after nearly cutting off the college kids, they wind up passing them and just delivering this great hillbilly stare down. Am I right? (laughs) Just totally mean mugging them. (laughs) (laughs) They don't wind up encountering each other again until they all stop at the Last Chance gas station. Nice little nod to Texas Chainsaw Massacre right there. And does anything say Hillbilly Country gas station more than a kid in overalls using a water pump? (laughs) I mean, dude, like, Jesus Christ, are you serious? Like, this is 2010, isn't it? I'm sure there's bottled water somewhere (laughs) in this hick town. Oh, man. 
You know what I'll say about this gas station scene is it has a lot of good tension that's based solely on assumption because this plot is pushed forward by blind prejudice and the comedy is misunderstanding based. Now that's a form of comedy where the mileage can really vary from person to person. But I think they nail it here for the most part. Yeah, well, I think that's the genius of the film is this giant misunderstanding that the college kids feel threatened by Tucker and Dale because of preconceived notions that, oh, we're in a hick town. But it also works on a level with the viewer, you know, because as a horror fan, you're also like, oh, it's like a hick town. Like, what's going on here? What's the dark secret? <laughs> <laughs> that and that's what makes this movie so enjoyable like it's a wink wink and a nod and then it just like sees how far they can take that concept yeah and don't get it twisted tucker and dale are stupid too <laughs> and don't do themselves any favors with reading the situation themselves yeah you gotta love that scene when tucker convinces dale to go talk to the college girls but he inexplicably carries that scythe along with him. And then the way Tucker gives him the advice to just smile and laugh after saying something, and he gives the good, you kids going camping? (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, that's the perfect glimpse into the humor that's to come. And at this point, we join Tucker and Dale as they're heading to their recently purchased vacation home. And we also get this scene that introduces a police officer because apparently we need more than just all of those college kids to die. (laughs) I do appreciate this movie's dedication to a high body count, though. Yeah, you kind of need it when you really don't have much of a killer in the way. (laughs) You need something in between each each scene to, like, keep you going. (laughs) So Tucker and Dale arrive at this new vacation home. And it winds up being the proverbial cabin in the woods straight out of any cabin in the woods horror movie. Bone sculptures. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta love the newspaper clipping on the wall (laughs) that are obviously serial killer shit. You know what's funny is this movie is technically a cabin in the woods film, right? But I never really think of it as such. Yeah, it's so different and doesn't really follow any of the traditional formula for a Cabin in the Woods film. So, yeah, it definitely counts, but it's completely unique in execution. Yeah, I feel like the cabin kind of disappears into the background because you're laughing and enjoying all the character interaction so much. But this is a damn good horror movie set. Am I right? Like, even down to the bone sculptures you're talking about and the serial killer newspaper clippings on the wall. Really good stuff. And of course, you've got that wobbly beam death trap. (laughs) And you just know that's going to go sideways at some point. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of setup in here with the cabin and you got the board games in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) At this point, we get reintroduced to the college kids. With one of them asking the group, if you have a recurring dream about sucking a dick but never do it, does that make you gay? And that is so (laughs) weird because I remember you asking me that exact same question, Danny. (laughs) I just love that that's our, like, scene transition. (laughs) That question. Yeah, that is a good one. So while they're sitting around that campfire, Chad decides to tell a story about the Memorial Day Massacre that happened in the same spot 20 years earlier. And tell me why this motherfucker takes a hit off of his inhaler after smoking the joint. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell was that? You don't want to start coughing. (laughs) You know what? Let's talk about Jesse Moss real quick here because... We saw him earlier this year in Ginger Snaps, and he was great in that. Oh, I knew, I knew I recognized him. I was like, I know I've seen him in something, but I didn't know what. And yeah, he is, he is in Ginger Snaps. I really like what he's doing here with the Chad character. I think he really brings evil Chad to life. Oh, I love it. I love taking the jock stereotype, the Chad, 
and <laughs> just like flipping it on its head like this dude is psychotic insane he has murderous intent and i just love his monologues he does so well with the character i think chad's m- might be my favorite part in the whole film <laughs> wow i wasn't sure how receptive or not you would be of chad so i'm kind of surprised to hear that but that's awesome i also love the fact that this movie gives us an actual slasher kill sequence here in this sepia tone slaughter flashback we get the great saw blade ninja star to the face kill and a pretty gnarly machete to the throat i will say some good stuff we also get a hint that someone in this attack was kidnapped by the killer hillbillies and it's like you said this movie does a great job of setting things up like everything is set up nothing comes free and that's admirable if you're a knowledgeable film watcher you know there's a something brewing here there's more to the story you know i was like yeah there's definitely something going on with chad (laughs) with this like story behind him i'm not sure what but sure enough in the end it's all revealed Yeah, after that scene, too, and this pretty creepy scene later on where Chad aggressively comes on to Allison, the college kids winds up going skinny dipping, and Tucker and Dale just so happen to be fishing on the lake also. And Tucker wants to get a closer look at the college girls, but Dale is way too bashful to let that happen. (laughs) But they then spot Allison stripping while standing atop some rocks. And Dale can't keep his damn mouth shut, and Allison winds up spotting them, and they all freak out, and she falls in the water and hits her head on a rock. So Tucker and Dale wind up having to rescue her, but as they're pulling her into their boat, some of the other college kids see what's going on, and Tucker gives this great, Hey, we got your friend! (laughs) (laughs) And of course... It's interpreted in the worst way possible. And this is what sets us off towards this soon-to-be-very-bloody misadventure. I love when Allison wakes up the next morning and we see Dale burst in. And he cuts this fantastic silhouette that calls back to Buddy Bacon from Slaughterhouse. And then we get Dale explaining the situation to Allison. And this begins the almost-required opposites attract romance in a comedy you see it all the time in comedy so of course it's gonna make its way into this comedy horror film (laughs) but i think they do a really good job and it's pretty damn believable you know i think the guy playing dale is really good especially when it comes to playing dumb but with a heart of gold i love all his earnest efforts to sound somewhat intelligent when he's trying to talk with allison (laughs) Yeah, like trying to be on her level. (laughs) Like, so what are you studying? Yeah, I love when Allison tells Dale that there's a difference between education and intellect because that's something I tell myself all the time and damn hope it's true. (laughs) Yeah, watching them is really sweet, you know? Like, you're right. It's totally believable. Still funny and not too serious, but it's, you know, sweet and nice to watch. Yeah, meanwhile, the college kids wind up sending the one kid with the vehicle to go get help from the police, and the rest of them decide to search for Allison. And it's not long before they find the cabin. And it's funny because these kids may be stupid, but they're not horror movie stupid. Because they do not want to get anywhere near the cabin, right? Of course, the one kid who's actually smart enough to at least make the appropriate suggestions in this situation is the one who winds up approaching the cabin. And of course, that means he's going to be the first one to die. Because behind the cabin, Tucker is using a chainsaw to saw into this log. And in the process, he saws right into a beehive. And this sends him running towards the college kids like some chainsaw-wielding maniac. Oh, I really like this scene, man, when the college kids all scatter and are running for their lives from Tucker. And you get that hilarious moment when he and the one kid who had a lick of sense make eye contact. (laughs) But then they lose sight of each other. And this college kid runs right into a fallen branch and impales himself on it. And comedy or not, this is a gruesome impalement, my dude. You even have that bloody gruel just dangling from the branch. Yeah, it's very gruesome. And 
you know, I wasn't sure how gory this movie was going to get. But as soon as I saw this kill, I was like, okay, now I see what Tucker and Dale is playing with. (laughs) Yeah, good stuff. Back at the cabin, the bonding between Allison and Dale winds up getting interrupted by Tucker. He barges in just covered in some ridiculously swollen bee stings all over his face, right? I love how we get this running gag here with Tucker using beer as a cure-all as he pours it down his face. Yeah, I love when he pours it down his face. It's like, you're in here playing stupid board games. (laughs) (laughs) That part got me. Oh yeah, this movie has some really great lines, and I think that's the first of my favorites. (laughs) The way the beer is spitting as he screams. (laughs) Oh, shit. I like, too, when Tucker tells Allison that he saw her friend, he's like, he must be allergic to bees because he was running like a bat out of hell. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? This could all come to an end here if they just let Allison leave, but Dale ain't gonna let that happen. (laughs) You gotta love how he drags Tucker along with going to find the college kids and the looks on Tucker's face. Especially when Dale's like, I'm going to let Tucker do the talk and he's a people person. And he just (laughs) looks at this point with his swollen face, he looks like a disfigured psycho hillbilly. (laughs) Right. They keep getting more bloody, (laughs) more torn up, especially Tucker. It's like, you know what? You might just be a crazy hillbilly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, At the same time, the college kids find their dead friend. And they take it as this warning. They're like, yeah, stay the fuck out of our woods. (laughs) And now we get those monologues from Chad. They start here where he's going into this primal alpha male survival of the fittest rage. And it is really just good every time he goes off, right? Yeah, he keeps getting more and more deranged with every monologue, (laughs) just getting more intense. And all the rest of the college kids are just like, dude, you're fucking insane. I love everyone. It's like, I think Chad has like mental problems. (laughs) Uh, They end up hearing someone coming, so they hide. And the next thing you know, Tucker and Dale show up looking for him. And you got to give it up for the lines of dialogue with Dale talking about beating the crap out of the college girl. (laughs) (laughs) talking about the damn board game they were playing but it sounds like he's gonna kill her he's like i'll finish her off real quick and then go back to work (laughs) oh man yeah that gets me every time dude and so does this bit with tucker (laughs) yelling out college kids (laughs) (laughs) so the college kids stay hidden And Tucker and Dale use the hatchet to carve a message. And of course, it's the ominous warning of, we got your friend, or the supposed ominous warning. So at this point, the college kids decide they're going to go on offense. And of course, they arrive at the cabin in time to misinterpret Allison digging a shitter hole with Dale as him forcing her to dig her own grave. Yeah, all the... The misinterpretations every time they reach the cabin. <laughs> They're just so funny. And but they make sense that you would it makes sense why they would think that. <laughs> yeah. Better yet, Danny. Tucker's busy hucking logs into a wood chipper. And I can't imagine what they might do with that, can you? Yeah, not at all. Can't see <laughs> this next kill coming. There's no way the wood chipper gets involved, right? So the frat boys put their plan into motion, but Dale notices the girls, and he tries to tell Allison that he sees her friends, but at the same time, one of the college kids is charging Dale with a spear, and there's some commotion between him and Allison, and he ends up knocking her out with his shovel, and they both fall into the shitter hole, but the spear-wielding frat boy trips, and he goes flying into the pit after his spear. And we get another gruesome impalement, Danny, because this dude just slides down the spear so slowly. Oh, yeah, it's it's gross. And Dale and Allison are just getting sprayed with blood. (laughs) I love Dale's screams, too, because I always think it's the kid screaming, but the kid getting impaled doesn't scream. He's just taking (laughs) it. But Dale is screaming 
bloody <laughs> murder. <laughs> so after that, I mean, do we even have to set this up? Of course, the guy who's going to attack Tucker leaps right over him and dives headfirst into the wood chipper. Misses the mark very much <laughs> and goes headfirst into this wood chipper. That is a fantastic line back in the cabin, too. Some kid just hucked himself into the wood chipper. <laughs> and then, does it really make sense for Tucker to chalk this up to some kind of suicide pact? It's the only thing that makes sense, but then it really doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it does make sense, though. Tucker's awareness of how bad this looks for them. And I mean, really? How fucked are they at this point? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you'd be able to even talk yourself out of this one. I mean, it's just, it looks so bad. <laughs> Before we go any further with Tucker and Dale, we rejoin the college kids. And the rest of the ones alive decide to abandon Chad and all his macho, you're not alive unless you're under the threat of death bullshit. Because they hear a police siren approaching. So the one guy who went to get help got help. And of course, it's the police officer that pulled Tucker and Dale over earlier. And then you've got Tucker and Dale attempting to clean up this mess. I guess to make it look a little less incriminating, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure how you go about that, but they try. Of course, though, the squad car pulls up while they're literally dragging half of the corpse that's left from the wood chipper with his legs in their hands, and they're just caught dead in the act. I think that might be the best shot in the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a great shot. It's heavy for half a guy. <laughs> I love that line. You know what's funny about the cop, too, is he's sort of the harbinger of the movie, right? But you don't think about it because usually the harbinger warns the kids. But in this instance, he warned Tucker and Dale. You know, there's nothing out there but pain and suffering. And, you know, the other thing with this cop character is cops in horror movies are a special kind of useless. <laughs> <laughs> but this cop is pretty damn receptive to Tucker and Dale's side of the story, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I was shocked he wasn't already aiming his gun at Tucker and Dale and actually listened to them. Yeah, he actually is being very sensible and reasonable. But before you know it, this rickety beam that's been set up <laughs> multiple times finally comes into play. I mean, you can see this gag coming from a long fucking distance, right? <laughs> but I think it goes so far beyond what you were probably expecting that it winds up being really good. Like, when you have this police officer, who at this point has these long, jagged, and rusty nails ran through the entire length of his skull, but he's still walking, and you gotta love Dale when he's like, how's he even walking right now, Tuck? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Just like this cop's in complete shock. <laughs> yeah, they definitely like take it further than you would think. Yeah, I just love him running out to the to the car trying to get on the radio, but isn't so successful. Yeah, he kills over and then things get even more chaotic when one of the college kids jumps out of the cruiser and he grabs the gun off of the officer and goes to shoot Tucker and Dale. But the safety's on. And then Dale decides to tell this kid how to take the safety off. But this kid never learned to never point a gun at yourself. And blammo, he blows his own fucking head off. <laughs> at this point, Chad rushes in because he's been watching from the tree line. He grabs the gun, tries to kill Tucker and Dale. They retreat back into the cabin. And then they have a heart to heart about fishing and the love of <laughs> that is... Really poorly timed, but funny as hell. And I feel like at this point, Danny, the movie kind of hits a plateau. It's a little one. But at this point, the misunderstanding comedy kind of wraps up. Because now we're in direct conflict with Tucker and Dale and the college kids. And the ratio of comedy to horror starts to slowly shift. Because... Obviously, at some point, this story is going to have to resolve. It just can't be all for laughs, right? There has to be a story here, too. So I feel like the first 45 minutes are really strong. And then we get here, and it's still good, but it 
starts to level out a little bit. I mean, we get the really cool nail gun shootout because the college kids end up kidnapping Dale's dog, Jangers. And if you did not know that Chad was the villain of this movie, it's made a little more than obvious when he's the one willing to kill a dog, right? I mean, that's no bueno, bro. (laughs) Yeah, you do not hurt the puppy. (laughs) No, I agree with you 100%. I had the same feelings. Because, yeah, you can't do the misunderstanding comedy for the entire runtime. You know, it would get tiring and it just wouldn't work. So, yeah, at a certain point, it kind of shifts into, okay, yeah, it's Tucker and Dale and Allison versus Chad. And, yeah, I definitely don't think the second half is as strong as the first half. It's certainly not bad because... Really, this is where Chad fully embraces that chaotic (laughs) villain role here, which, again, I love. But it it feels a little long for me, (laughs) like the second half of the... It it feels stretched out, you know what I mean? Yeah, I can definitely understand that. You know, because at this point, we get the scene where Tucker attempts to rescue Jangers, but he winds up getting caught by the college kids. And I do love when they have him strung up in the woods and he's offering them beer if they'll let him go. I also love when he tells them, I know you kids are having fun, but I am not a thrill seeker. (laughs) (laughs) He just wants to fish, goddammit. Oh, poor Tucker, man. He even loses a couple fingers here. Why would Chad just cut off two fingers, though? Because he's a Chad. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of weird. And the bowling fingers, too. How do you even hit those two fingers with that yeah, kind of hatchet swipe? <laughs> and I don't miss know. The pinky, like the pinky's <laughs> just there still. Dude, precision. Oh man, back at the cabin, Allison and Dale have a heart to heart as he's explaining or attempting to explain what's been going on. And at this point, all the prejudices, all the misjudgments and misunderstandings—they're all coming to light. And I do appreciate the scene where Allison gets to see just what a bloodbath it is outside the cabin. And yeah, she finds a cloth by the cabin door and it's got Tucker's fingers as a message. And I got to say, Danny, I think my favorite line is the, oh my God, they cut off his bowling fingers. (laughs) Why is that what your mind would go for when seeing severed fingers? Dude, they love their bowling. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I love bowling too. So I'll... you had a bowling phase. You were <laughs> you, you had to, you had a you had your own ball. Still do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd be mighty upset if someone cut off my bowling fingers, and I don't even bowl anymore. <laughs> oh man, Dale decides to go look for Tucker, and he walks right into the college kid's trap, and this trap sends this spear. Flying towards his pecker, but Dale's micro penis comes in for the win, wouldn't you say? <laughs> yeah, thank God he's not hung like a bear. <laughs> hit his overalls and not much else. All this stuff in this part that kind of plateaus, it all leads us to this really stupid therapy scene in the cabin. <laughs> and look, it tracks, right? It tracks with Allison's character. And it gives us more of the Chad backstory. But it's just so silly to me. Like, I feel like comedy horror often struggles to find a way to bridge the gap between the funny part and the final act. And unfortunately, that's what seems to happen here. And I think the reason that it's not so egregious here is because the first half is so laugh out loud funny. I mean, look at how much it's making us laugh here. Yeah, the therapy scene falls pretty flat. You know, we get the more exposition for Chad, but not much else really happens until we get the uh, rest of the college kids coming up. I will say Tucker using the beer cure-all and pouring beer on his missing finger stumps (laughs) is pretty funny. His finger sandwich quip is pretty funny, too. He can't even hurt a fish. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, this is the part in the movie where we have the longest stretch of no dying college kids besides the beginning of the film. But that is soon rectified, Danny, because 
the college kids who were still outside the cabin burst in and we get a triple here. And it all starts with the college kid bursting in with this was a weed whacker, right? Yeah. And he goes after Tucker, but Tucker ducks and he ends up just chewing up the face of one of the college girls with it. And then this big brawl ensues. And during the brawl, Chad picks up a lantern and hucks it at Tucker and Dale. But they move out of the way for that, too. And the dude with the weed whacker takes the lantern to the leg. And now he's on fire. And he's about to be really on fire, Danny. Crackling like a log. (laughs) And I know we already mentioned that Tucker and Dale are stupid, too. And how stupid is it that they have... A giant mountain of gas cans inside the cabin. (laughs) Should have moved those. (laughs) (laughs) So we get one of the college girls is sitting right next to these gas cans as they go up in flames. And she just decides she's just going to eat it. Weed Whacker Dude is burned to death. Tucker, Dale, and Allison run for their lives. And Chad tries to run after him. But the girl with the Weed Whacker face grabs him. And next thing you know, Tucker's vacation home goes up in smoke and just blows up. And they're laying there watching it burn when they notice Killer Chad, now disfigured Chad, Danny, rising from the ashes, ready to deliver us Psycho Chad, the villain of Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. The evil of the film. I thought the evil was (laughs) blind prejudice, Danny. That's true. The evil is judge judgment. <laughs> <laughs> I never gave much thought to how unique a killer Chad is because I'm struggling to think of many others, you know? Yeah, I love his transformation into psycho Chad here, but in the whole film, like he's a totally unique character and it's just like this demented jock mentality and like. Just how deranged he comes off the more time we spend with him. Like, it's great. Yeah, totally interesting character. Tucker, Dale, and Allison hop into Tucker's truck to escape. But, of course, Dale drives it into a tree almost immediately. (laughs) And when he comes to, Allison is gone. And Tucker seems gravely injured. So it's the perfect time to get the requisite heart-to-heart between our two comedic heroes. Another thing that all comedies have to have, that one serious moment, you know? He winds up telling Dale to not be so down on himself, recognize his great qualities, and go rescue the damn girl and ask her on a date. So Dale uses Jangers to track Allison, and they end up finding her in some abandoned sawmill. We do get a pretty good uh, hillbilly superhero suit up here, don't you think? You're going to call me a hillbilly. (laughs) You're going to call me a hick. I'll show you a hick. Oh, man. Dale finds Allison tied to the conveyor belt that leads to the mill saw. And I'll tell you what, man. That trope there is probably second in classic status only to the damsel tied to the railroad tracks. Yeah, you can't get more classic than this right here. So what do we think of the makeup job on our evil killer Chad here at this point? Oh, I love it. It's great. I mean, you know, you got that two-faced look to him. (laughs) You still got pretty boy on one side, then you've got mentally deranged burn victim on the other. (laughs) And his whacked out hair, it's... So great. And again, like it's a totally unique design too, not just him as a character. We do get a pretty good fight scene between him and Dale also, don't you think? Did you have any thoughts about the fight scene? Yeah, it's great. It's exciting. I love that part when Dale has the chainsaw and Chad keeps blocking each swipe with that metal pipe. (laughs) But then Dale finally gets the upper hand as he... uh. I don't know what it is, but he's got like something sharp on his boot (laughs) and takes out Chad's shin. That looked like it hurt. Yeah, that was gory. (laughs) Yeah, you got to love the involvement of a chainsaw. I mean, you gave us all the bad comedy tropes with the serious heart to heart moment and the little love story. At least you gave us a chainsaw. (laughs) 
Hell, you gave us a damn wood chipper. <laughs> you also gotta love the cringy bit of Dale coming in clutch with that axe throw that ends up freeing Allison. Eventually, Allison and Dale end up running away from Chad, and they're attempting to find something to fight him off with. And again, you have to say, I love that this movie really does set everything up because Chad mentions at the tea time therapy session that he can't have chamomile tea because it fucks with his asthma. And wouldn't you know it, Dale finds a box of chamomile tea. And then... I was we, like, is he going to brew him a cup and get him to drink it? <laughs> let's try the therapy again, Allison. <laughs> yeah, let's be glad they didn't go with that. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Allison, on the other hand, finds this old newspaper. And on the front page, the headline reads, Memorial Day Murderer Found. And beneath that, we see a hillbilly. With a striking resemblance to Chad. I don't know why they chose to get the same actor for that part. Just to drive home the point for anybody that didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what? We know at this point that Psycho Chad is too far gone to care that he's half hillbilly. You're half hillbilly, Chad. That is funny, though. And they're like, <laughs> that is you're funny. half hillbilly. <laughs> like it's something you're born with. <laughs> An ailment. So it comes down to Dale tossing the chamomile tea into Chad's face, and he starts having an asthmatic attack. And they briefly consider helping him, but he ends up taking an unforced fall out of the building, and we see him seemingly dead below, like many other great horror movie slasher villains. And with that, the horror is over, and we see the news crew from our flash forward arriving to get the scoop. After that, we see Dale visit Tucker in the hospital, and Tucker's had his fingers sewn back on. And you know what? Again, what I will say for this movie is even when they use a worn-out gag, they make it work. Because the sewn-on fingers where the finger isn't yours, how many times have you thought of that or seen that? But they just push it to a place where it, they make it funny all over again, you know? Yeah, it's a well-earned gag. So Dale ends up gifting Tucker a beer in the hospital, which I don't think you're supposed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think that mixes with the IV. But after the visit with Tucker, Dale goes out on his bowling date with Allison. And wouldn't you know it, Danny? He's got a real psycho hillbilly on his bowling team. He winds up telling this toothless dude to go after what he wants. And the guy decides to go after some woman on the next lane over. And then Dale gifts Allison a helmet because she's always banging her head and knocking herself out. And the two <laughs> embrace just as this real psycho hillbilly attacks the girl that he was after and starts to drag her off. But Allison and Dale decide to ignore it and continue to make out. Not the strongest joke to end on, but that is the end of our movie. So what are your thoughts on Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, Danny? Well, this movie is great. It's funny, and if you like horror, I think you'll get a lot out of it. I think there's plenty of little references here and there, but it stands on its own. It's just a good time, you know? The first half is definitely stronger than the second, but overall, the whole thing is really well written. It's a really tight script. Great performances. Like, yeah, this movie makes us laugh out loud, and it's pretty rare in movies. Like, I don't usually laugh at TV shows or movies all that often, you know? I have a very deranged Zoomer sense of humor, but this movie is... Very smart and funny, so I'm a fan. Yeah, that's one thing I wanted to say, too, is it's rare for me as well to laugh out loud at a movie, even when the movie's just a comedy comedy, you know? Yeah. But Tucker and Dale vs. Uh, <laughs> Evil makes me laugh out loud multiple times. If I like a comedy, it's 
definitely a sign that the movie is of high value because I'll go on record saying I'm not a fan of most comedies. Here, here, man. That kind of explains the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, did you find a favorite kill in Tucker and Dale versus Evil? My favorite kill has got to be that dumb college kid getting impaled on that tree branch in the forest. <laughs> Why did you go with that one? It's like oddly dark. There's something very like <laughs> dark about watching this kid realizing he's fucking dead with this branch in his stomach and like he's losing color in his face. But it just proceeds. That dude was pretty fu- pale and pasty to begin with. <laughs> Yeah, true. <laughs> but it proceeds to a funny moment where Tucker's going crazy, getting chased by bees, holding the chainsaw. For some reason, he felt he needed to hold the chainsaw. And yeah, the college kids just misunderstand this as a crazed lunatic <laughs> with a weapon. And I said it earlier, but yeah, it, it kind of set the groundwork for what the movie was gonna do with the gore and the kills i was like all right this is what it's doing it's going all the way going nasty i'm down for it he took the chainsaw because of the smoke danny it keeps the bees away you know what else though when that kid is dying one of the bees lands on his nose and i think he puts it together and realizes what a jackass he was in the end true yeah Hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> when you're sitting there dying. Well, the thing was, was he was the one who made all the right suggestions. But then he lost his cool. And then when the bee lands on his nose, it sort of signifies like, dude, you were right the first time. You know? Yeah. Good choice. Yeah, that is, like I said, comedy or not, that is a brutal kill. So, Sean, what's your favorite kill in Tucker and Dale versus Evil? First, I have to give a shout out to the Sawblade Ninja Star to the face kill, because for such a bit part, I feel like the guy that plays this role really overdelivers. I love in that scene when the hillbilly ejects the pump up the jam tape and puts the hillbilly <laughs> kill music on. <laughs> and it's that college kid who at first is like, hey, man, what are you doing? But then he's like, when he realizes the danger, he's like, no, man, this is cool. I like this. (laughs) (laughs) And then he still eats that saw blade to the face. I really love that. But I also love the guy who trips and falls into the shitter hole and spears himself. Look, the way this guy just slowly slides down this thick ass piece of wood, it's a sight to behold. Never mind the over-the-top wood chipper death. This one is just visceral and downright disturbing. (laughs) It's worth watching the first 45 minutes of this movie just to see this death. And I've done that. (laughs) Like, I've been like, I'm not going to watch all of Tucker and Dale, but I'd like to see the spear death. So that's why (laughs) it's my favorite. Right on. Great choice. And yeah, that flashback kill, that whole sequence is really good, too. We didn't really talk much about it, but yeah, it's it's a really good scene. Speaking of really good scenes, Danny, what's your favorite? I think I gotta go with the finale here just because it's the only time we really get to embrace and enjoy Psycho Chad. <laughs> you really love Psycho Chad, don't you? Yeah, it's great. Like I said, it's totally unique. I love the makeup job on him. You get a great fight with Dale and Chad, you've got Allison being the damsel here, (laughs) and it's tense. Like, I just think it wraps up pretty nicely for this film. It uh, all culminates in this, and it works really well for the film. When it was starting to drag on a little bit, I was like, okay, no, like, I'm back in in for it. (laughs) Yeah, great choice. The finale definitely delivers. It's really just... That last hurdle getting there that stumbles, you know? Yeah, I I can't fault you at all with that choice. That's a really good choice. So, Sean, do you have a favorite scene in Tucker and Dale versus Evil? Man, 
I think I've expressed my love for this movie pretty well here, despite the fact that I think it stumbles in a few places. Like I said, the first half is definitely stronger than the second half. And like I also said, you know, that seems to be a consistent issue within the world of comedy horror. But why I think Tucker and Dale succeeds where some of its contemporaries fail is like we were saying, the first half is so laugh out loud funny. And I think the scene that makes me laugh the hardest is when Tucker and Dale go looking for the college kids and they start shouting, college kids, hey, college (laughs) kids. You know, like we said, the comedy is misunderstanding based. And with it being misunderstanding based, you have to give us those few moments that make the fear of the college kids seem somewhat rational. And I think they execute that pretty damn good here because we know Tucker at this point. We know he's just some harmless hillbilly who got in a fight with a bee's nest, but he truly looks like some degenerate backwoods disfigured freak here. And then the way he hollers college kids, I love this guy's performance. And there's the last shot of him yelling college kids where he's kind of hunched over and walking from side to side with his eyes squinted real low. (laughs) Oh, man. Not to mention the bit with Dale talking about beating the crap out of the college girl and how he's going to finish her off. Like, the writing just here alone is so damn clever and funny. So yeah, them yelling college kids. When I decided to choose my favorite scene, I said, I'm going to choose the scene that makes me laugh the most. And <laughs> that's that's it, man. It's just... I mean, for a comedy, you kind of have to go with that. So, awesome. <laughs> well, alrighty, my dude. That was Tucker and Dale versus Evil. We've got an episode left. We're going to be ending our regular season with A Nightmare on Elm Street in two weeks. And we're not going to bullshit you this year. We got something special for Christmas coming. But there's no opening presents here early. You got Nightmare on Elm Street out of me. And we hope you look forward to it. Because we look forward to bringing that one to you. For sure. Thank you for listening. And have a great night. 